it was a mistake. So I was very glad. The third time, uh, I did, um, he, the doctor in Haiti did an ultrasound, and he showed me a cyst uh, that had vegetation. So he said, um, he will operate me for 5,000 US plus the anesthesia, so that's about 6,000 US. And so I said, well, I'm Canadian, so I'm gonna go back to Canada and see what they say. And when I did the ultrasound two, three months later after, um, the, sh the cyst had shrinked, it was completely transparent. And I did another ultrasound a year after, and it, it shrinked again, and it was completely transparent. So I believe God healed me. So I was so glad for that. You know, when you get like a medical report like that, you kind of tremble for a while until you see, you see the, what the, the next doctor will say. And uh, most lately, I, I had a cyst, uh, uh, and I still have a cyst on, uh, on my thyroid gland. And I saw a, a Cuban doctor in Haiti. So she did a biopsy, she did a, an ultrasound, and she couldn't conclude anything. But anyway, I, was, I worried a lot. So, and I, I, it was uh, at night, uh, my husband was asleep, and we have ch uh, kids living with us. And so one of them came, a girl, she came to sleep on the couch beside our bed. So everybody was asleep but me. And I heard a voice saying, you do not have cancer. And, uh, but I wasn't sure it was the Holy Spirit. So it's very important in our lives that we, we get used to the Holy Spirit's voice. But anyway, someone called me from Canada and told me, don't wait, come. Because, you know, if you, the most you wait, you know, it can be, the treatment will be more difficult and da, da, da. So I panicked and I, and I purchased a plane ticket and I came to see a doctor and uh, the doctor said, oh, that kind of cyst, you know, there's, there's no danger with that, and I'll see you in two years. So I was so glad because, and I remember, I, was, I remember that the Holy Spirit, during the night, it was raining, so it was not a, a dog barking, a rooster, you know, singing. It was the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, you do not have cancer. And when the doubt comes, because the, the enemy comes and, you know, he puts doubts in you, I just remember, I just stand on that. The, the Holy Spirit told me, you do not have cancer. So we have, you know, even in the plane when I came, I worried about something and the Holy Spirit spoke to me again about that specific problem. And, uh, and now I stand on that. The Holy Spirit told me. So the devil, when you come and you... You say something in my ears, I rebuke that. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. So we have to fight. You know, we have to fight. It's a spiritual fight, so we have to fight. May God bless you, and thanks for your prayers. Thank you. Amen. Good morning, everybody. And we, we are Michelle and Louis Charbonneau. We, are, we were saved in 1975 in St. Isaac, not far from here. And we next year I start Bible College in uh, Quebec Bible College and Timothy program. And in 1980 I graduate. And we were sent by Home Mission Department to Gaspé Peninsula. So we pastor Matan for six years and Amqui. So in the morning I was preaching in Matan. Louis was doing song and. Sunday school, and the afternoon we were in Mkui, and we were doing the same. And after six years, the Lord called us to, 
to go to Africa. So it was a big challenge for us to leave everything, leave people where our family was stay here, and we went with the children in Africa. There the Lord did great thing, great thing. We were working with a team of uh, uh, Bible college students who just graduated or were in their way. And we, I was responsible of 400 villages and 16 cities. And we were there to organize a program of church growth. And it was our responsibility. And we, we saw God doing so, God amazed us so much during the, those uh, nine or nine and a half years that we were there. We were able to learn to start a new church every three weeks. And we, were, we saw hundreds of people baptized in the water every three weeks average for 10 years, 12,000 people. And the Lord continued to work there in Ivory Coast. When we went there many years ago, we were 40,000 people in the country. And today, they are 1.2, 1.3 million people in the church around the country. And we thank God for that, for the great thing that he is doing. And the revival is coming to Canada. Great things are in front of us. And we have to expect God for great things. Great things are coming. And the best is in front of us, not in our back. And one thing that when I look at God, the first thing will come in my mind that he, he is a good God. He is a good God. He doesn't have a baseball uh, bat in his hand to look at us. He comes with his open arm. And he is a good God. And all his promises that he did for us are true. And he never changed. He is still the same. And he wants to do great things in front of us. Praise God. 23 years ago, we, after visiting other than some churches in Canada, we went to Haiti. And one day I remember before that, I had preached in Matan in the morning and with Louise and our two children at that time, we went to Mkui and preached there, came back home and they stay home and I went to preach in the evening in saint anne mont And coming back at 10 p.m. and there I'd, I just uh, cook an omelet and uh, I look at uh, World Vision on TV and it was about 80. And it was a poor, poor, poor area of the country. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said to me, I called you to be there and bring the light with children. So we went to E.T. We accept the call of the Lord. And when I was there, our director said, don't expect to see Africa. It's not Africa, it's E.T. So we pray and we pray and we learn the language, uh, Creole. And one of those days, the Lord gave me a vision. I was in prayer, fasting, and I saw a big tree was curved. And I put the pulley probably 10 feet from the, the floor, the three meter, and with a big cable. And I tried to put that tree straight. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and told me, don't try to put that tree straight. It's too big. One of, if you want to put that tree straight, one of two things will happen. You will break the tree or the tree will break you. It's too strong, too big. And two or three months after, I realized that big trees were adult. 
and small trees were children. So in every coast, we were used to work with adults, and children were for somebody else. And there we started ministry with children. So it was uh, quite an adjustment for me to uh, speak now to children on Sunday morning, do games with them, and to try to, to raise them in, in the presence of the Lord. So we start 22 years ago, and now we have probably a thousand, thousand some children and young adults with us. The Lord is, we have three meetings. We have the small thief who are the two to six years old, and they are probably 150, 160, 170, and they have a team, praise and worship, games and teaching with them. And we have Louise as responsible. She's the pastor of the seven to 11 years old. And she, they do, they have a program. They have some uh, teacher with her. And we have the teen, teenager and the adult. And four, 500 young people and adult. And the Lord is moving. We have young adults who, who join the church now. And we have a, a police chief who is with us, with his wife. She was baptized in the water with us. And they are faithful and they're tight. And they, they, they grow in the Lord. They, they grow in the presence of the Lord. And we, we thank God for that. One of our goals is to train the national. We are not uh, looking to bring somebody from Canada with us who will say in a crisis, well, I want to go home. We want to have people who say we are home and we stay here. And we, time is not always easy. Far from that. We had a lot of crisis and we, sometimes the, the Canadian government said, you have to leave the country. And we said, no, we stay. And we, we stay quiet for a time, and uh, we, turn, we just expect God to bring peace again. At home, we have uh, electricity four, five, six, seven hours a day from the government, and we have to provide our own electricity with generator and battery and inverter during the rest of the day. We don't have a pipe of uh, water coming from the city, so we have to buy some truck of water. We take the water from the roof and put that in a cistern that we pump on the roof to have uh, running water. We don't have hot water at home, so we take, uh, we don't have, we take a bucket shower, so just a bucket. We put water inside and go to the bathroom and take a shower every day. So it's not, it's like, a, it's a little bit like camping, but uh, we, we live there, and it's, it's home now. And la calle, c'est la calle. And we, we are at home. We are at home. And I said to the young people, well, if I die, I want to be buried there. And don't send my body to Canada. They have nothing to do with that. So I want to be buried there, in that corner. And uh, the... They don't think that it's uh, wise to be buried there, but I have nothing to, I don't want to do that last trick. It will be done at that time. I will be in heaven. But I thank God for what he is doing. We are training young people. So we have a school. 
725 uh, students, and we have uh, 52 people who are on our team. So we have a nurse and uh, who, quali who graduate from a sponsoring program, and we sponsor her to go to the nursing school for four years, and uh, she do a great job with children, and she teach the Bible in primary school. We have uh, an administrator, John Philip. He starts in grade four, primary school with us, graduate to high school, grade 13, and he did uh, four years in administration, and graduate, and he was looking at the school a little bit as a business, and I said, it's not good, it's not a business, it's a ministry. So I sent him for three years and sponsored him at university to be in a teacher uh, class. So he graduated from there after three years, and so he understand now that a school is not a business, it's a relation with people, and we are there to train people. We have three uh, directors who work with us. They are well-qualified people. So one is as a kindergarten for six classroom and 12 classroom from, uh, from grade one to grade six. And we have a new principal who do grade seven, eight, and nine. Six classroom with uh, 200 teenagers. And we have a third principal who do high school from grade 10 to 13. And uh, it's uh, really a pleasure to see young people growing, become, they become young adult, and 17 of those young people who graduate are working for us or with us full time now, and they, they live with that. So we, we can see God moving among young people. One of our goals is to see more young people graduate and go to university. Some of those who graduate want to start a kind of alumni with those who already graduate. And they, their goal is to take good young people from grade 13, people who love the Lord, people who are involved with good marks at school, and have a good attitude with others, and they want to sponsor them to university. So now we have people who are in medicine at university. One will graduate uh, this month with as architect. Some are in engineer, administration, accounting, uh, and other uh, discipline, and as uh, teachers, nurses, and we thank God that we can make a difference in the country. We cannot change a country, and Jesus didn't come to change a country. He came to change people. He came to change people. And he changed us when we came. He changed you as, you as much as you want him to change you, and he want to change those young people. One thing that we realize is that we are in a country where there's a lot of darkness, like every, almost every Friday night, just cross our streets. On, on our street on the other side, there's a voodoo temple, and they spend the evening through probably three, four, five o'clock in the morning, and singing and <laughs> and playing their two notes, trumpet, 
and uh, cursing the area, cursing the country, and expecting bad things to happen to everyone. And we are in our bedroom, and we sing, and we pray that the Lord will uh, change those lives, and they will turn their face to Christ. Many of our children are from voodoo family, and uh, they, they had the bad beginning. As Christians, we offer our children to the Lord, dedicate our children, expect great things. We said, Lord, when my son will be sick, please heal him. When my daughter will ask you something, please hear and uh, look at her and uh, give the best for her. And for them, they present their children to the devil. They present their children to evil. And they, they are not bringing some good thing to their children. They are cursing their, their future. And we have a church, probably 50, 60, 70 ch children, who have evil problem, who have really evil spirit problem. Once a year, we have a week of revival. We have a guest speaker. It was supposed to be Gaetan Gaucher in May. And because manifestation, uh, airplane were not able to, to, to fly, everything was, we were cut from the word. So we didn't have our revival week. But the revival week is uh, we finish uh, school at 10. We end school at 10 o'clock in the morning, have a little break. And 10.15, we, we take a time where we praise and worship probably four, 500 teenager and from school and there we break we, we break the, the 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 time and we start with teaching about the holy spirit and we have a time of prayer a great time and a good time of prayer and we can see many people touched by god in good way some are ill some are baptized in the holy ghost some have uh, changing life. They give their life to Christ, and some other fell on the floor, and they have problem with evil spirit, and we cast in the name of Jesus, and many times we can see, we can hear, no, I don't live. This is my house here. I stay here, and he said, no, you are the property of Jesus Christ. Live this body right now, and it's a big challenge and a big, a big uh, we, we want to be victorious. We want the children to be free. So please pray for the children. I would like to give you that challenge this morning that you will pray for the children and that they will be free, that they will be in touch with God and their life will be changed. For us, we, as usual, we don't go out at night. It's a, a non-safe time to go out. So during the daytime where we are, there's no problem. But when darkness comes, light disappears. And we don't want to go out at night. It's not safe. So pray for our security and pray that the Lord will uh, guide us day after day. You know, the enemy attack. But we, we are in the presence of the Lord. And he is here to, to protect us. Many, many years ago, I, I learned something from the Lord. We were in the morning. I was uh, preaching in a church in French. 
And in uh, the after, in evening, I was preaching in English for missionary. And I remember my message when it was when darkness faced light. And when they were going to bury a little boy and Jesus came with his crowd who was jumping and laughing. And they saw a crowd who was going to the cemetery. And when the two crowd came together, something had to happen. Those who were laughing have to cry, or those who cry will laugh. And praise God, the light uh, was winner on the darkness. The, the sun was risen from the dead. And it's like, in my mind, it's like yesterday, and it was 20-some years ago. We came home, and at 2 a.m., we had a, an old man who was working with us. He was a... Uh, cutting the flowers and putting, clean the yard. And it was uh, outside in the yard. It was 2 a.m. And I hear, we heard, we were asleep. Bang, bang. And the guard was down. And they injured him with their gun. And we had a big Rottweiler dog for our security. And the dog just started to run after that man who had a gun. And they injured a dog, and thank God nobody died. And they came inside the house, and to make a long story short, they, the guy came in a ward, they broke the door, there were five, and they put a gun on my head, and they were stealing, and the other were stealing and stealing. And at one point, we knew those somebody, and at one point, I said, may I stand up? And he said, yes. So slowly, to not make him nervous, I stood up to be just at his level. I was sitting on the bed. He was standing. So I feel that I had to look up to look at him. And I said, I want to be at his size. So I said, you know, if I die today, I know where I'm going. I'm going to heaven. And I live for that day. I live for that day where I will see Christ face to face. And we have to live, my friend, for that day. We have to live for that day where we will see Christ face to face. And we don't know when it will happen, but it will happen, willing or not. And I said to that guy, I know where I'm going. Where I'm going? We will have good wine who has no alcohol. New wine. And it will be great. And we will have good food. And we will not uh, miss something. Everything will be there. And it will be great. It will be a party. It will never end. And we will be uh, in heaven. And this is where I'm going. And if, the, if somebody used you to bring me there, I know where I'm going. And I said to the guy, but I know that you're not going there by the way that you act today. And I'm sad for you. Where you're going, you will suffer. Where you're going, you will be thirsty. I was thinking of Lazarus and the rich guy. And he said, put your finger in water and put that on my tongue because uh, I'm thirsty. And I said, where you're going, it will be terrible. You will suffer. You will be hungry. And you will miss everything. It will not be fun. Sometimes young people said, well, I when I will be in, in, uh, 
in the afterlife, I will be with uh, Jimi Hendrix and uh, others who did the uh, art music, and uh, it will be a party. Not it will not be a party. It will be terrible. And as I was speaking, I I found the the gun was shooting was moving on my head. He was trembling, and at one point he put down his gun and he said to others. Go, we have to go, go, we have to go. And they run outside like somebody was running after them. And they let us there in our bedroom and they, they run away. God save us another time. And certainly for weeks and months, I slept off my jeans ready to get up if somebody break the door. We were under stress, we were shake in our mind. But the Lord was there with us. The Lord was there with us. In Africa, we work, I worked four years with the refugee camp of Liberia, where people were, they cut their hands and the legs of the young people with machete. And I saw a lot of them, and it was something who bothered me in my mind when I went to bed. But those young people gave their life to Christ, many of them, and they were walking and living with Christ. And I know that sometimes life is not easy. Something, it's like we are like our neighbor who are suffering. But we have promises from the Lord. We have promises of the Lord. Like the Lord said, I want that he wants everyone to be saved. And I would like to encourage you to pray. To pray. Praying is not only for old people. It's for young people also. Pray that the Lord will save around you. There is space here. And there is probably other door where there's more seats. So pray. People need to be with the Lord. People need to know Christ. Because they don't have a good life. They can have big car. They can have good money. But they don't have a good life. They don't have peace inside them and the lord want to save and one day somebody came to me from toronto and said well we would like we would like to grow we would like to grow and they asked me advice and i gave advice to them and it was for ajax and years after the i saw the leader and he said wow we, where we, we had one person, we have five now. And the Lord is moving a lot in our area. Just point some of our, your neighbor. Like, take a walk and look at one house and say, okay, I want to see the people of the, that house saved. And I want to see the people of that house saved. And you start to pray for the people. And when you pray for the people, you know what happened? You, you come in love. You fall in love with them. They are not strangers on your spirit. You pray for them. You love them. You don't know them. And you pray that the Lord will open, will open a, a, a house, will open a door. I remember one young man, he was praying in Toronto. And just visiting his area was with his wife. He was walking and pray for this one and that one. And an old man was start to, to crank his lawnmower, and it didn't work. And the young man said, sir, um, I know about mechanic. May I help you? And he said, yes. 
So he, he turned on the look, work on the carburetor and start the engine. And the Lord, the, the old man said, do you want to come in my house to take a coffee? He said, oh, another time, no, you have something to do and I have something to do too. And a few weeks after, he passed in front of the house and the, the old man said, oh, how are you? And come inside, I want to talk to you. And so finally, the old man, to make a long story short, is now in the church and he is praising God every Sunday morning because somebody was praying for him. People will not be saved because we are in church. People will be saved if they hear the testimony of Jesus Christ. And we have to have the guts to take, to speak to the people, to go and speak to the people. Jesus didn't stay in the temple. You know, we look, uh, next week will be Pentecostal Day. And there were 500 people with Jesus. There were 500 people with Jesus when he left earth, to, to earth. And the day of Pentecostal, there were 120. Where were the 380 people? They were in the temple. But 120 were in the upper room expecting something from the Lord. And the Lord baptized them in the Holy Ghost. And the Lord used them, 3,000 were saved in one day and baptized in the water. So we have to expect people to be saved. We want to see a revival. Revival starts from our life of prayer, our time with Jesus. At home, we get up early. Many times, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning, I'm awake. And I'm sitting in my chair with my coffee, alone with the Lord. Um, probably eight months ago, I was sitting in my chair. It was 2.30 in the morning. And I had a good time with Christ. And the Holy Spirit was there. Louise was in bed, asleep. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And I saw on my left side uh, an old toolbox. An old toolbox that you open by the top. And the Holy Spirit said, don't forget your toolbox when you go to work. Don't forget your toolbox. And I said, Lord, what, what are there in this toolbox? And I opened the toolbox, and it was the gift of the Spirit. When you go to work, use your toolbox. Use the gift of the Spirit. Be ready to be used by the Lord, by a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. Be willing to be used. It's not for Sunday morning. We, don't, we need that on Sunday morning, but not much. We need the light in the darkness. We need the light in the darkness. When it's light, we don't need light. We have light. But in the darkness, we really need light. So spend time with the Lord. Spend time with the Lord. We, we are far. I'm far from him. I'm not what I would like to be with the Lord. I would like to be just sitting on his feet and talk with him and hear him talking to me. So I would like to encourage you Spend time with the Lord. You know, our, our goal is to be with Jesus forever. Our goal is not to have a promotion, is not to have a new car, a new house, 
a new deck. Yesterday we were with somebody and we had the family reunion, we were 24, and we were sitting on the deck having a coffee and something, and at one point, boo, the deck broke. The deck went down probably three inches, and everyone was surprised about what's going on. But we, we were there like it was the end of the, uh, of the earth, the end of our life and having great time and the deck break. Many times we live as Christian like we are here forever and we are not here forever. We are not. I remember a day the, we were in Africa and we had an attack from the, uh, the, the rebel from the other side of the border, crossed the border and they were coming in the direction of our city. And the government asked the Canadian and American to leave the country, to move away, because rebels were coming. And one of our Baptist friends uh, obeyed and went with his family. And as he arrived to New York City, he rented a car to see the family, and a drunk guy burned a red light and killed him with his wife. And we stayed there, and the Lord had protected us. The Lord never told us to live, so we didn't move because he didn't speak. So how I would like to encourage you to just say, Lord, speak to me. Many times I say, Lord, speak to me. Speak to me, Lord. I want to hear you. I want to hear you. And you get up and you say, speak to me. You go to bed and speak to me. You go to eat, speak to me. During daytime, speak to me. And you will come with the idea, with the, no the knowing that the Lord will speak to you. And he will speak to you. And when he speaks to you, wow, wonderful. A few weeks ago, I was in my office. And in front of my office is the nursery, is the, the, the clinic and the nurse is there. And she was teaching Bible in a classroom. A little boy came, grade seven, grade eight. He was there knocking at the door, and the door was closed. So I, in my mind, I said, why does he still knocking? It's closed. So I just lifted my chair and I said, are you looking for something? He said, yes, I want permission to go home. I'm too sick. So I said, come here. So he came and said, sit down. So what's going on? He said, I'm so sick. I want to go home. I want to go home. I said, you want to go home? He said, yes. Okay, let's pray. And I start to pray with him. I pray for him. And as I pray for him, I felt something like a nail was in my back. And it was very painful. And it was his pain. So I start to cast that in the name, refuse that in the name of the Lord. And at one point, I, I saw his eyes really, his face really shining. You know, when I pray, I don't, I don't close my eyes. Many times we can see people, who, we can hear people who say, close your eyes, we will pray. Jesus never closed his eyes when he prayed. He lifted his, his eyes to heaven and he looked at the Father and it's just our background, religious background, who said, okay, close your eyes. It's a, a kind of religious way of doing things. 
But I don't close my eyes. I don't want to receive a punch when I pray, so I always let my eyes open. I look what's going on, and I pray. And as I was praying, I saw him st start to laugh, and finally I said, what's going on? He said, I'm healed. And I said, I said, I will give you a permission to go back to your classroom. So I signed a permission, and I gave him, and I said, have a good week. And the Lord healed him. He was not looking for that, but the Lord healed him. And so many of your neighbors are not looking for that, that the, what the Lord has for them. And I would like to encourage you to say, Lord, give me something for my neighbor. Give me something for those who I work with, I travel with, I am at school with. Give me something for the people. When Jesus went, he always went with something for the people. Peter and John said, I have nothing but what I have, I give you. Stand up and walk. They were ready to give something. And I think that uh, the revival doesn't come because we are sitting, perhaps praying, but not expecting you, God to use us for the revival. He will use us for the revival. He will use us. You know, I'm just a French-Canadian like many of you. When we went to Africa, when we went to Africa, we start prayer meeting every three weeks. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We had a meeting to evangelize and try to start a church. And Saturday, we start, we start a prayer meeting at 8 p.m., and we pray all night long through 4 o'clock in the morning. We were 1,000, 2,000, 5,000 people for the prayer meeting, people from our church. And we spent the night in prayer. And at 4 a.m. we get up and we went to baptize 75, 100, 125 people in the water and came back to church and have a coffee and at 8 o'clock, we start communion. We start the dedication of the children to the Lord. We start preaching, praying. And at noon, the meeting was over. After we start Saturday, 8 p.m. And it was, we were tired out. But was wow, so filled with the presence of the Lord. We had a big book. And in we had the two pages where we write name, surname, the dates first, name, surname, the village where those people were from, what was their problem, whose doctor was looking at, and we pray for the sick. I saw more in that book, more than 3,000 people who were not able to see, to hear, or to talk ill. I saw many paralyzed people ill, people with AIDS ill, and so many, so many, some, a lot of ladies who were not able to have baby became pregnant and have children after that. You know, God, those people, they never forgot. Some Muslim came, they were blind, and now they go home and they can see. Can you imagine the testimony? Can you imagine if somebody come blind this morning and go home and he rejoice and he jump and everyone knows that he, is, he was blind and now he can see. So people will say, whose doctor did you see? They will say, I saw Dr. Jesus. 
I saw Dr. Jesus. He opened my eyes. And I have one of those problems now. When people speak to me and they said, how are you? I said, well, the car is old. There is rust. I lost one light, but the engine is good. I'm in good shape. And I lost an eyes. I'm completely blind with that eyes. And it's uh, not easy when it's a little bit dark like here to be sure that I put my, my feet at the right place. But I know one thing. I saw hundred and hundred and hundred of people who were blind and they, were, they, they recovered their sight. And I'm looking for that. I'm looking for that. I know that God is nothing for him. Nothing for him. And I would like to encourage you to say, Lord, use me. Lord, use me. I remember and I, I think that the time is uh, going. Yeah, the time is uh, it's, it's gone. And I, I, I heard one guy who said, white people, uh, as, as black people from Africa, we don't have watch, but we have all the time. And as white people, you have watch, but you don't have the time. And I will finish with that story. We went to a, a big village where it was a thousand of people with one lady who was Christian, she was Pentecostal. And she had a little boy, and that little boy was quadratic. He was not able to move his arm and his legs. And we had a night of prayer Saturday and Sunday before going home. She said, before you go, you have to pray for my son. So we, were, we went there to her house and prayed for the boy. She was five years old, never moved his leg, never moved his, his arm. And we prayed for her. And nothing happened. And three weeks after, the chief of the village asked to see us. So we returned to that big village and went knock at the door of the chief. And he said, okay, welcome. We will walk in the village. And he brought us to that house where was that little boy. And what a surprise. The little boy was running everywhere. He was ill. He was completely ill. Can you imagine that little boy, 25 years old, 30 years old, 50 years old, who will testify, when I was five, I, was, I never walked. I never sat. I never was able to use my hand for something. And now I have a wife, I have children, I have a work, and I'm completely in good shape. God wants to use you. God wants to use you. I'm not, I'm a sinner saved by grace, like you. I'm just, and somebody said, who are you, sir? I said, me? He said, yes, who are you? I'm Mr. Nobody. I'm Mr. Nobody. I'm nobody. I'm nothing. Just somebody saved by grace. Willing to die for Christ. Willing to live with Christ. Willing to quit everything and give everything to his glory. And this morning I would like to encourage you to say, Lord, use me. Lord, use me. There's nothing on television they teleguide our vision. They teleguide our vision. But we, we have to have really a vision, not a television, but a vision from the Holy Spirit. We have to see what he wants, 
us to be, what He wants us to do. And He will. He will. He will show you. He will use you. It's so great to be used by the Lord. Let's pray. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the privilege that we have to be called your children. Father, it's not about the church. It, it's great to be together. But Lord, the, the battle is tomorrow morning. The real life is tomorrow morning when we'll be in our area of uh, living. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that the revival will come. And that the revival will come. We have to be revival first. We have to be in a revival life. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you will use us. Speak to us, O oh God, that we will put on the side our own will. And we will die to ourselves. And you will live in us. Father, I pray for the pastor. I pray for the board that you will, Lord, use them as a soul winner, O oh God, in this area. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you will save that area, O oh God, and you will fill each bench, and they will have problems. They will have to move to another room where they will move your, their stage. They will move everything because more people are coming. Father, I pray for a blessing. Blessing on that congregation. Blessing, Lord, on those people who are here. And if there is somebody who is here for the first time this morning who doesn't know you, I pray, Lord, that somebody will make peace with you, that somebody will start to fight with you, and that somebody will say, okay, Lord, now I'm here today. Take everything and change, change my eyes, change my thinking. Father, I pray for the salvation of that somebody. And if somebody is sick this morning, I pray for healing in the name of Jesus. I cry for healing this morning and everyone who are sick in the name of Jesus. He, sickness is not from the Lord, it's from the enemy. And he wants each one of us be in good shape because we are working on his image. And his image is not the image of somebody who is sick, it's an image of somebody who is in good health. Father, we pray and we thank you for your holy presence this morning in the name of Jesus.